Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we are talking about Minute 47, which begins with Johnny conflicted over Toecutter's command, and it ends with Max arriving at the hospital. So yesterday we got a moment where Toecutter is talking to Johnny, and he says, this is a threshold moment, Johnny. Step through. And... It kind of reminds me about how when we were first introduced to Johnny and this idea that he's kind of Toecutter's squire, that that means he's kind of new to the gang, almost like he was brought in as a replacement for the Knight Rider. Like when uh, like when Bubba says he'll never be the Knight Rider, you know, the Skag don't rate. And I feel like this is kind of his big initiation, his initial, mm-hmm. you know, thing that gets him fully into the gang. Yes, because you do have to earn a position in a gang. And... It would make a lot of sense why Toe Cutter is pushing Johnny so hard to complete this task himself. Mm-hmm. Is it this is his initiation? If he wants to be a part of this gang and survive, then he has to do this. Yeah, it's it's a question of loyalty and devotion. And he's done good with all of the menial stuff. You know, he's combed out the Toe Cutter's hair. He's lit his cigarettes for him. He's you know, gone out on these little missions and whatnot. And that's been all well and good, but he's not truly taken that plunge just yet. Like, this is that moment. Yes. And Johnny is just standing there with this match in his hand, and he says, you know, that this isn't what he wants. And he's, you know, looking at Goose in this overturned truck, and he just can't bring himself to do it. And unfortunately for him, like, what he wants out of this situation does not matter. Because he had two instances to handle this situation on his own. He had the bike sabotage and he had the brake drum going through the windshield. Those were his opportunities to prove himself to the toe cutter and earn a spot in the gang. And because he failed, you know, he's lost his agency to it, act in this task. It's interesting because he, he failed through little fault of his own. Right. Especially like sabotaging the bike. That should have worked. Like a lesser rider would not have handled it as well. Yes. And, you know, I have my doubts about how well the drum through the windshield would have worked. But that tumble really should have killed Goose. Yeah. And I think if it had been a regular pickup truck, like one that wasn't <laughs> equipped with a five-point over-the-shoulder right. harness. if he had harness, been wearing just a regular seatbelt, I think he'd be dead. He would have been whiplashed and thrashed around much worse. Yeah. I think he survived because he was so well kept in place. So keep that in mind if you have a seatbelt, wear it. Yes. (laughs) I like, before we move on, I really like the visualization that Toe Cutter is setting up for Johnny. says this is a threshold moment, step through. You get this, this image of a doorway. Yeah. And if Johnny wants to enter, if he wants to come into the gang, it is quite literal. He has to step through that door. Mm-hmm. He has to cross that line. So despite Johnny's protests, Toecutter repeats the command, light it. And so Johnny takes the match and he kind of puts it on Toecutter's jacket to strike it. But before he, he strikes the match, he looks at Goose again. And you can almost imagine Johnny remembering the time that he was in custody. 
looking at Goose because he spent a lot of time around Goose, even if he never asked his name. Mm-hmm. But he's probably remembering that when he was being held against his will by Goose. Like, yeah, they insulted him, they threw coins at his head, and they chained him up like an animal. But at the same time, he always knew that he was safe. You know, the police don't burn people alive because it's not the 15th century. You know, Johnny knew that he would get out of that situation all right. But in this situation, now that the roles are reversed, now that the now that Goose is the one that's being held against his will, and it's Johnny who has power over his, his life, it's you probably think, surreal for him. You, do you think that he's... I think he's getting I, cold feet just because he remembers how, you know, he was treated civilly. Well... He was treated in such a way that his personal safety wasn't threatened. I hmm, I disagree, I think. Yeah? Yes. I don't think that Johnny cares that Goose is helpless, that he is essentially his captive. Yeah. I don't think that that bothers Johnny at all. I think what bothers him and why he doesn't want to do this is because they are face-to-face. Yeah. And he has to look Goose in the eyes and light him on fire. Yeah. I think it's a literal face-to-face, one-on-one, he can't handle. Because, mm. I mean, he does still strike the match. Yes. Like, he says that this isn't how he wants to do it, and he doesn't even want to look at Goose. But he right. still strikes but that match, and yeah. he, like, cups it against the wind. And so, as soon as Johnny strikes that second match, Goose starts struggling harder. And I kind of mentioned this a little bit yesterday, um, but I, I'm still wondering exactly why Goose can't get out. And I'm wondering, like, is part of his uniform inhibiting his ability to undo the harness? Is his leg stuck somewhere? Like, that rollover was pretty pretty gnarly. So it's hard to say exactly why he can't get out. Yes, I think his emotional state might also be a contributing factor. When, when you're panicking, when you have that fight or flight, but you can't do either one. There, he can't fight back and he can't run away. So he's just panicking. It's like an emotional seize. Yes. And, you know, when you're in that type of situation and your adrenaline has nowhere to go, has nothing to do, then you're you're now in an altered mental state. You, you have a hard time making decisions. Yeah. He may maybe can't figure out how to unclasp it. He's probably just struggling because that's the only thing that his adrenaline can really allow him to do. Yeah. He's probably like getting that that tunnel vision that you sometimes get when you're super stressed about a situation. So he probably can't concentrate on what he's looking at very well. Right. I mean, he can probably see Johnny and Toe Cutter just fine. Yes. And I imagine that's probably like all he can see. Imagine if he were... If this had happened and he was upside down, even with the gasoline dripping next to his face, but he didn't have Toe Cutter and Johnny a few feet away talking about lighting him on fire, would he have been able to get himself out? Yeah. I can imagine that it would have been easier for him without Them putting looking pressure. down the barrel of a gun. Yeah. And so, and so Toe Cutter leans in towards Johnny and whispers to him, and we kind of get this shot of him whispering to Johnny and and seeing the, the match burning in Johnny's fingers. And Toe Cutter says, the bronze, they keep you from being proud, which is absolutely a callback to the beach scene. Yeah, I think he's trying to recreate the emotions of that scene mm-hmm. where Johnny was very enthusiastic, too enthusiastic. Yeah. And swooped in and shot the mannequin representing the bronze in the face and and had the courage to do that 
And while it wasn't, you know, it was just a mannequin. It was just a symbol. It's easy to shoot a mannequin in the face. What he had the courage to do was to snatch a gun from Toe Cutter's hands. Yeah. That takes courage. Like he was full of adrenaline there. He had this gusto and this this drive to do something big. Yes. If you're going to waste the bronze, you've got to do it big. And so Toe Cutter is pretty much reciting this back to him. It's like, you know. Remember, you wanted to do it big? Well, this is big. They take away your pride. This is your chance to take your pride back. And Johnny just cannot, you know, bring himself to do it. And it's... And he does this thing where he, he looks at Goose and he says, look at him. He looks silly, doesn't he? Upside down as, you know, Goose is sitting there struggling. And I feel like I feel like Johnny is kind of trying to dehumanize Goose a little bit to make it easier. Yes. I think it's that the face-to-face violence that I mentioned a moment ago. He's trying to get away from that. Yeah. He's trying to say, well, this isn't a person I'm looking at. This is a clown. Yes. You know, this person is a joke. They're not actually a person. Yes. I should be able to do this better. But it doesn't help him at all. Because that that fervor that he felt in the earlier scene has completely evaporated. Because reality has come crashing down on him. And no amount of justification is going to help him with the guilt that he's going to feel. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, if he goes through with it. Yes, his adrenaline is gone. He's been running on adrenaline for a little while now. Um, And you can tell, you noted how sweaty he is. Oh, yeah, he's sweating like a pig. Yes, and he did do a lot of running. Yeah. You know, he ran up the hill, through the drum at the truck, then ran down that hill across the street and into the field. So he's he's done a lot of running. That whole time, the adrenaline is just going, going, going. And then I think that when he came around the truck, saw that Goose was still alive, I think that's when the adrenaline came crashing down. Mm-hmm. And it was gone. And he had none of it left to help him. And so when a, when your adrenaline rush stops, there's a physiological repercussions to it all of a sudden being gone. Yeah. And I think that 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 he's feeling physically is also combined with emotionally just really not working for him yeah and it 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 presents an interesting situation for the toe cutter because he is a master manipulator yes so he knows how to get at people so he starts off with that loyalty angle like hey i'm your boss i'm telling you to do something that doesn't work and so he starts to go at it from another angle like hey remember how you said this like you said you wanted to waste the bronze in a big way you know they take away your pride you remember that thing on the beach and johnny still can't do it so the next thing we see after, you know, Johnny talks about, you know, look at Goose, look how funny he is, is we get another good shot of Goose struggling at the restraints, you know, because he was just called silly. And so now we need to get another shot of him struggling. And so um, I mentioned the other day that he's actually strapped in upside down. It's important because you can really start to see it here. Um but I noted that despite the uncomfortable position, Goose seems to be keeping his eyes on Johnny, like almost staring him down because I think Goose realizes that like the person in this situation that is going to drop a match on him and light him up is mm-hmm. Johnny. Yes. And so he's trying to keep that eye contact. Yes. So that way Johnny can't separate himself from the situation. Yes. And we've commented a couple times before how Goose's world is black and white. He's either alive or dead. And now he is facing almost certain death and he's going to do it looking him in the eyes. Yeah. Like he's not going to shirk away or shy away or anything like that. He's not pleading for mercy. He's just looking him in the eyes. Yeah. And the expression on his face does not say mercy to me. No. It says, it's almost like, 
come at me, bro, type of thing. Yeah. Like, if you're going to do it, do it, but I'm going to look at you this entire time. And I mean, yeah, he's going red into the face. His eyes are getting bloodshot. That's just, you know, what happens when you hang upside down for an afternoon. Yeah. But like he's. But he also hasn't given up. He's still trying to get out. Yeah, he's still struggling against whatever is holding him really in place. Yes. Like Like we said, it's probably a fight or flight tunnel vision just struggle for the the sake of survival type of thing Mm -hmm. so i like that around about this moment we see johnny really starting to struggle like we we flash back to him and he's now holding the match in like both hands and you can see the internal struggle on his face Mm -hmm. and he's shaking and the ragged breathing that we've been able to hear this whole time it was Goose's. Now it's Johnny's. Yeah. And now he's in the position of panic. Yeah. And the toe cutter, once again, is whispering to him. And he switched tactics from uh, from blind loyalty to you wanted this. And now he brings up do it for freedom. Do it for the Night Rider. And I feel like that's kind of him ap- appealing to sort of the quasi-religious tenets of the gang. Mm, the yes, idea yeah. that they value freedom above all. And that they revere the Night Rider as this symbol of ferocity and liberation like he's almost saying you know if you're not going to do it because i say so and you're not going to do it out of your devotion to the gang do it for your devotion to these ideals like this is like he tried one way tried another way he's trying this way he's just trying to find that one point that he can press on to really get johnny to act it's interesting to see the tools that toe cutter has at his disposal up until now he hasn't had to use more than one at any given time, at any given interaction. Mm-hmm. He uses the one that he thinks will fit best, and it works, because that's what he does. He's a master manipulator, and he knows what tools are going to work on what person. Well, they're not working. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's on his third tool, and he's he's got more. Yeah, and he's running out of patience very quickly. Yes. Because after he says, do it for freedom in the Knight Rider, and like you said, Johnny is sitting there and he's trembling and he's holding this match. And he turns to Toe Cutter and he says, I can't. And so Toe Cutter says, throw it. And Johnny just flat out says no. And that's when Toe Cutter really snaps. I feel like he was able to kind of let it slide, let it slide. Okay, maybe push a little bit further, let it slide. But as soon as Johnny says no... Do you think he snaps or do you think he pulls out another tool in his toolbox? I feel like he... Do you think... Well, like when I say controlled or uncontrolled? Like when I say he snaps, I feel like he reaches the end of his rope and says, okay, well, if all these other tools don't work, now we're going to violence. Okay. Okay. You know, yeah, I see that. I, I guess, yeah, he doesn't snap. Yeah, he, he gets to the end of his rope. And so he grabs Johnny by the face... Like not in a not in a funky Star Trek way like he did with the <laughs> train station guy. Yes, I like I really like the parallel with the train station guy. Yeah, grabbing the face, completely different attitude, and on the train station guy, it totally worked. The moment that he had his hands on his face, and it wasn't violent; they were just like placed there, like almost like slight pressure point type of yes acupressure thing. As opposed to now. Where he's got like a hand completely wrapped around the back of Johnny's head. Yes. And he is yelling at him and he's right in his face. Yeah, calls him scum sucking trash. And then he's just shouting at the top of his lungs, throw it, throw it. And he's just got Johnny in like a vice grip. And so Goose, Toe Cutter grabs Johnny. We see Toe Cutter grab Johnny. We see Goose struggling. We see Toe Cutter screaming. We see Johnny like 
physically shrinking, like trying to just get away from Toketer any way we can. Then we see Goose again. Like we keep cutting back and forth. Like this situation has reached a fever pitch. Yes. In its intensity. I think I have to give Johnny some credit because through all of this, through the appeals to different sensibilities, to through the violence and the insults, he's still saying no. Mm-hmm. He has, you know, he took the match and he lit the match, which took him down this path, but he's still saying no. And through all of this, he's still saying no. The path of least resistance at this moment would have been just to throw the match. Yeah. But he didn't. So as much as I don't want to give Johnny any credit for like anything. Yeah. Because he really is pretty weaselly. He didn't throw the match. Yeah. He's trying to keep hold of that one shred of humanity that he has left. Yes. And I feel like he's probably the kind of guy that saw the motorcycle gang and he saw how they look riding together and he saw the camaraderie. And he mm-hmm. saw like how much money they were bringing in, right. doing their illicit activities, and he probably got really enamored with that idea. With the romanticized version of a biker gang. Never fully understanding what it takes to be part of the gang. Yes. And so now faced with this reality, like he got up this far, but he's just not willing to take that final stretch. And I'm not sure if that's brave or cowardly. Hmm. I think i'm gonna go with brave yeah i i'm hesitant to but i think the cowardly thing to do at that moment was to stop fighting toe cutter yeah that would have been the easier thing to do his interaction with toe cutter came to a point where it was physically violent it would have been easier to throw the match yeah and the fact that he was so adamant about not doing it through all of that through the manipulation through the violence See, I kind of feel like his refusal to throw the match is born more, not so much about him wanting to defy the toe cutter, but more about him just not wanting to have that guilt on him. I feel like he's he's yes. got more, like I said, he's trying to hold on to that humanity that he has that a lot of the other gang members have kind of left behind. Yes, and he does say a line. It's really easy to miss. I didn't hear it until you said it in your notes where he says something like, I can't stand the pain. Yeah, like as he's rest, trying to wrestle himself away from the toe cutter, he yells, I cannot stand the pain. Yes. And as he shouts that, and as he's struggling, that's when the match flies out of his hands. Yes. It flies through the air, lands on the grass, and the grass that it lands in just happens to be close enough to where the gasoline is collecting Mm -hmm. that it starts going up. Yep. And we see the match fall and ignite the fuel-soaked grass. We get a quick shot of goose, then the fire spreads along the ground, and then we see Toe Cutter grab Johnny's face and make him watch. Like, he grabs his head and just turns it so that he has to sit there and watch goose burn. And Goose, the whole time, he's still looking towards Johnny and Toe Cutter. Like, as the flames are getting to the truck, he's still looking. As it's just, the whole truck, it just goes up, like, engulfed. I appreciate that in the end, yes, Toe Cutter got what he wanted. And it was, you know, by the hand of Johnny. But Johnny didn't do it on purpose. Yeah. Up to the very end, he didn't want to do it and he wasn't going to do it. And he didn't do it on purpose. It was an accident. It flew out of his hand. I think it's a really nice conclusion to the emotional journey that we've seen over the last minute and a half, Mm -hmm. two minutes more like, of Johnny. Does it really reach a conclusion, though? 
We don't see the emotional aftermath for Johnny. Do we really see Johnny much more? Well, he's still part of the gang. Yes. But they don't focus but on him. But they don't really. focus on him. He's kind of gone from the storyline. So I don't think we get a great conclusion, but it's the conclusion of this scene. Yeah. And I suppose the very fact that he's still part of the gang going forward gives us a bit of conclusion that Toe Cutter deemed him worthy based on his actions. Yeah. We'll have to pay attention specifically to Johnny. Yes. In scenes that are coming up. Because I feel like in the confrontations that we're going to see later on, Toe Cutter still has a very prominent role because he's the main antagonist. But I don't remember off the top of my head. And this is, like I said, we're going to have to pay attention. I don't remember off the top of my head how much Johnny actually contributes on down the road. Yes. So as the flames consume the truck, we cut back to Bubba on the side of the road. And he is sitting with the motorcycles. And he was sitting there watching this entire thing. And... I'm willing to bet that as much as Bubba doesn't like Johnny, I don't think Bubba's opinion improved Johnny at all. No, not at all. I think Johnny had an opportunity to prove himself to Bubba. Yeah, if he had, if he had thrown the match the first time, exactly. I think he could have earned some respect from Bubba. Um, but I mean, th- Johnny just doesn't rate. Nope. He'll never be the Knight Rider. Nope. Ever. Just doesn't have the style. I also like to think that Bubba, you know, being stoic as he is, maybe was thinking back to his own initiation. Yeah. To when he had to perform for Toe Cutter and his first kill. Yeah. And it's interesting to imagine Bubba being in that position because all we've seen of him is a very loyal gang member with some clout to actually have open conversations. Yeah. I imagine... With Toe Cutter. Watching Bubba and how he interacts with Toe Cutter now... And how he presents himself to others that he probably didn't have anywhere near as much problem with his no. initiation. Oh, yeah. I imagine that he performed very well. Yeah. And you noted that it was it was kind of funny how he's sitting there watching them. They zoom in and he, he kind of waves his hand in front of his face as if there's like a bug or something like that. Yeah. It's very mundane. Mm-hmm. He's very relaxed sitting there. Yeah. Everybody in this scene so far has been very heightened in Mm. their emotions, in the stress of the situation, in how they're interacting with each other. And Bubba is just there observing. Yes. Like it's not bothering him. I I think that says a lot about deeds that he has done for the sake of the gang as a whole, for the sake of Toe Cutter. It's also something that could be said about the fact that he's not necessarily in that situation he's able to separate himself Mm -hmm. you know physically and emotionally from that just because he is seeing it at a distance yes he's not face to face with goose yeah he can't see goose struggling to undo his his harness he can't hear his ragged breathing Mm -hmm. and he can't hear the stream of gasoline coming down he's he's not immersed in the situation the way the three are. Yeah. So we get that real sense that he is just battle-hardened. Mm-hmm. And that he is able to, you know, yes, he's physically separated, but he's also, like, emotionally separated. And that's just probably from all of the years that he's been with Toe Cutter. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's also interesting that Toe Cutter did also seem very emotionally separated until Johnny would not comply. Right. And then and then Toe Cutter became emotionally invested. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I gotta do this. Yeah, it was very intense. So we go from Bubba, we take a step back as we cut to Max driving in his interceptor with the lights and sirens on. 
Yeah, why is he still driving his Interceptor? Why isn't he driving the black on black? That really is the million dollar question, isn't it's, it? It's been weeks. Yeah, it's been a long Maybe time more. since they introduced him to that. Like, was it not ready when they showed it off? Because that seems a little it premature. Was, it was running. Yeah. It sounded good. It turned right on. Yeah. Maybe they were waiting for a special set of tires or something like that. Yeah, maybe. That's why he hasn't actually started driving it yet. Yeah. But he's kind of stone-faced in this. Like, he has that kind of neutral expression on his face, and we kind of see him. He's driving quickly, but I kind of get the sense that he wasn't told the whole story about what happened. He was just told, hey, you know, get to the hospital as soon as you can. Something's happened to Goose. And so he knows that something happened. He just doesn't know what. Right. Which... He probably did the same thing not that long ago when Goose broke his leg. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Goose is hurt. Come to the hospital. So I, I kind of imagine the same sort of reaction from him the last time as this time. Yeah. And I mean, you could definitely tell that he understands that it's more serious, probably because of the tone that Dispatch had when they called him. But we also, you know, see that he's driving with very singular purpose. And so we get a shot of him in the car, and then we get a shot of him arriving at St. George's Hospital. So we still need to like step back a little bit from this situation just because of how intense this whole idea of Goose burning alive is. Um, To distract myself from that, I went and uh, looked up a little bit of stuff about St. George's Hospital. I found... The location through MadMaxMovies.com and their locations page. So it's on Cotham Road in Kew, Victoria. The interior hospital shots that we see are actually in that same building. Although we don't get a good sense of like where in the building. Mm. Just because it could have been anywhere and it's probably been renovated right by now. But um, <laughs> for a bit of levity, I looked up the hospital's rating in the uh, the Google Maps entry. And it's got a pretty solid 4.0, which is cool, except that it only has two ratings. <laughs> One reviewer gave it five stars with no comment. And the other person gave the facility three stars and commented with okay. Which, I mean, it's, it's a pretty middle-of-the-road comment for a pretty middle-of-the-road rating. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. really say as much. Um, so, St. George Hospital, it's part of a larger um, system of hospitals. Now, I think based out of Melbourne proper, but attached to the St. George's Hospital is like kind of the St. George's Health Care Center or something like that. It's, I didn't write down the actual name. I didn't do my due diligence there. But uh, the main health center has a bit of a lower rating. And a lot of people are talking about how it's uh, just not very modern looking. So mm. maybe the main health center didn't get quite the update that the, uh, the regular hospital might have gotten. But the last thing we see of this hospital is Max coming up the stairwell and then going into this hallway. We don't get to see who he meets up with or where he's going. We get to save that for tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. Which I'm I'm willing to take a step back from this minute at this point because it was pretty intense. There was a lot of high emotions. Yes. It. Hmm. I don't think it bodes well for the rest of the movie that something so dramatic happens halfway through. Yeah. I mean, this could easily have been the climax to a movie. Mm -hmm. But nope, we still have half the movie. Like, I feel like if this story was about Johnny, like this would be the make it or break it point that would peak the climax of his story. And then we'd get the falling action of him just, you know, being in the gang. Mm -hmm. Um, This is definitely like the end of Goose's story. Yes. Like he was burned alive. He's not coming back from this. I definitely feel like the f- most of the first half of the movie was Goose's story. Yeah, he was a huge presence in yes. the story. 
And as of right now, we know Goose more than we know Max. Mm -hmm. And I think that was important because, because Goose is so important to Max, he also needs to be important to us. So we've gotten to know him and are saddened at his death and the manner of his death. Yeah, when we get to see how Max reacts to this situation, we're right in there with him. Yes. Because we were able to really, you know, understand what they mean to each other and how they are as friends and everything like that. So it's, yeah, very affecting. Very, very affecting. So I just realized we never talked about Steve Bisley's top four on IMDb. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding. Do you want to do that first thing tomorrow? Yes. All right. We'll do it first thing tomorrow. The last time we see him. <laughs> and it's not even him. It's not even him. But we will get into that plenty tomorrow. Okay. When you come back. In the meantime, our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash madmaxminute. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 47. We will see you tomorrow. Motorbikes and men, take me to the end of the dream. Hold on.